Good to see you here this morning. do want to invite you to come to Sunday School if it's not part of your regular schedule. We have a wonderful, wonderful time in Sunday School, all for the, for the youth, for the children, and the adults meet right here in the sanctuary about 930. We've been going through uh, the Foundations book, which is uh, Fundamentals of Christianity, and uh, it's really, I believe God's really using it to strengthen our church and just build us up. In, in the Lord. And so you're all more than welcome to be part of that. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. Start reading with me in verse 11. Luke 13, verse 11. Also, if you're visiting with us today, we're very glad that you're here with us at Cornerstone. We're here to worship the Lord, and we're glad that you're here with us. Luke 13, 11, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, and was bowed together, and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Verse 16, the, the, the Pharisees were angry because he healed on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Well, of course the answer is yes to that. Amen. I want you to read a couple more scriptures. I'm going, to, I'm going to read this from Psalm 103. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, and forget not all his benefit, who forgiveth all our iniquities, and who healeth all thy diseases. He forgives all of our iniquities and heals all of our diseases. One more scripture I'll read from Matthew chapter 8. And when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. We read about the woman who was loosed after 18 years from her infirmity. She was bowed over and couldn't stand up straight. And the Lord loosed her. It was this, this case, it was uh, actually Satan that was held in her held her bound in this physical condition he loosed her and then we just read in Matthew that uh, that they brought many that were possessed with devils and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick he forgives all thine iniquities says in the Psalms and heals all of our diseases now we're doing a study for those that that are unaware we've been doing a study on Sunday mornings I believe this is the fifth part uh, on the doctrine of Christ. It's a huge, uh, uh, huge uh, subject to tackle. But we're doing a, a study on the doctrine of Christ, not simply what he taught, although it would include that, but who he was, who and what he was and is. The doctrine of Christ, the person of Christ. Jesus said, take my yoke and learn of me. He never says learn simply about me. It is a relationship we learn of Christ through a personal relationship with him being born of his spirit. Amen? 
We looked at the deity of Christ. We looked at him being the son of God, the son of man. We looked at the witness that God has given to bear witness that he is the one and there's not another, right? The witnesses that God has given. And we started last week talking about the ministry of Christ. Again, that is a subject so vast. Uh, I might finish this however many weeks we go in it and we say, you know, we, we could have talked about this and we could have talked about that as well. And I wouldn't argue with that. We're, we're just going to look at what God gives me in these sermons, what he's spoken to me. I think we could sum up the ministry of Christ. To me, I believe it could be summed up as he came to be Savior and Lord. Savior and Lord. And we looked last week at him being Savior. This is a faithful saying. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, Peter said, Paul said, came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Why did Jesus come? He came to save sinners. Thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. I'm sorry, the, the angel Gabriel told um, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. She shall bear a son. They shall call his name. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall uh, bear the sins of his people. He came to bear our sins. He came to be Savior. So we looked last week uh, at him being Savior from sin, Savior for men. Savior and Deliverer is really how we looked at it last week. Today, these are not in a particular order, but in this message today, we're going to look at Christ as being our healer. I've mentioned A.B. Simpson before, and A.B. Simpson, a uh, uh, minister of the Lord, uh, and he, he preached a fourfold gospel. He preached Christ as Savior. He preached him as Sanctifier. He preached him as Healer. And he preached him as coming king. And I think it all could probably, you know, be wrapped up in that. Um, might, some might want to argue, but I think all of Christ's Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and, and coming king. That would be Jesus Christ. Well, we're looking today at him being healer. We looked last week at him being Savior and Deliverer from men's sins. So there's some important words here, and I don't always like to get real technical, but I will say this. Sometimes when I'm developing a, a sermon or a message or even just thinking about it myself, I, I'll play devil's advocate. Like sometimes I'll take the other side, okay, just to see, can I prove from the scriptures that that other side is wrong? All right, and I have to go to the scriptures. If we can't prove from the, from the scriptures, then it doesn't hold. It doesn't, it's not going to stand. And the, the question is, does Jesus, is he the healer? Is he the physical healer of physical bodies? Does he do that still today? Or is that something that passed away, like some would argue the gifts of the Spirit passed away, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all that passed away at some time in the past. I don't know exactly when they think it did. They say maybe when the last disciple died out or the apostles and so forth. Um, but can we prove from the scriptures that Jesus Christ came to heal physically? Now, I'll, I'm going to say this more than once this morning. That's not the main reason that he came. That is a reason, though, that he came. It's not the main reason that he came. He came to be Savior. And that's why we talked about it in such detail last week. And we took communion and so forth. Because he came to save us from our sins. That's why he came. But in the atonement, in his coming, in his person, in his ministry to men, there is physical healing. There is healing, you've probably heard it said, in the atonement. So I want to look at a couple of words. Uh, 
in Matthew, this would be a key scripture. I read it, but if you want to take notes, Matthew 8, 16, and 17. If you were going to debate with someone who's a Christian, perhaps, and they say, well, I think that God can heal, I guess, if he wants to, but I don't really believe that healing is for today, or that passed away, physical healing. Uh, this, to me, would be a great scripture, and I'm not confused about it. Personally, I'm convinced from the word of God that the Lord is a healer, okay? So I want you to know I'm not coming from it, but it's good to sometimes silence some of those things, at least in our own spirits and hearts and minds, to put to rest those things from the Bible, to put them to rest. And here it said in Matthew 8, 16 and 17, when the, even, when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. We said it's spiritual, that's not physical, okay? We'll grant that. He cast out the spirits with his word. So that's just demon-possessed people. You, can't, you could say maybe that's it's not a physical healing. And it says he healed all that were sick. Well, that says physical, all right? We say, well, he did it when he was on the earth, but that passed away. That's nothing going on now. It says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. So about 780 years before, in, in Saul, it's actually in Isaiah 53, where that, little, that passage talks about Christ first coming and his death. And, all right, That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself, just as Jesus, took our infirmities and bare our our sicknesses. Two words, just, well, three words actually. What does the word infirmity mean? It says he himself took our infirmities. Christ's first coming was a fulfillment, among many other things, it was a fulfillment of this scripture from Isaiah. Took our infirmities. Infirmity means feebleness of body or mind, it means frailty, sickness, disease, weakness without strength. And the Bible says he himself took our infirmities. Now that's the same word, infirmity, that's used when it says we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You say he's acquainted with our grief. He's acquainted with our sorrows. He knows what it's like to have a human body, although not a sinful human body. He had a human body. I said if you cut him, he bled. When he didn't go, he went a long time without food, he got hungry. His body got tired and sleepy. He knew what it was like to physically have a body. So he's acquainted with those things. But it's more than just that he's acquainted with our infirmities. He took our infirmities. And he himself bare our sicknesses. Sicknesses is only used four times in the Bible. Sicknesses, okay? It says he bare our sicknesses. All four times it's speaking of bodily sickness. So we can't just say, well, spiritually he lifts our sicknesses. And I would agree with that. If you want to call sin a sickness or even a demon possession, somebody, if you want to refer to that as a, a healing where they're healed from their possession or whatever it may be or oppression from the devil. But beyond that, it says he took our infirmities and bare our, bore our sicknesses. Sickness there is always physical. It's what it means. It means a bodily sickness, a disease, a malady, okay? And so, uh, and, and I'll talk about one more word before we, we move on. When it says he bore or took, okay? That's important, too, because it's not just, it's not just that he was acquainted with our sicknesses and say, yep, I know what it's like. I know what it feels like when you sprain your ankle, you know? I know what it feels like when you get a cold, 
I know what it's like when you don't get enough food. He, it's it's a, not just that he's familiar with that, although he is familiar, and that is referred to, but it says he took them. And when it says he bore them, and that word means to carry away our infirmities and our sicknesses, to remove, to bear. This is the actual definition, to bear with the intent of removal. So it's not just like, I know what it's like to be one of y'all. He does know what it's like to be one of us, okay, although not the sin. But he knows what it's like to taste death for all men. He had a physical body, and he's familiar with our weaknesses and infirmities and frailties and feebleness and getting, you know, he's, he's familiar with all that. But more than that, as Savior and Lord, he's our healer, and he bore our sins on his body, but he also bore our sicknesses, physical sicknesses. And it says to bear with the intent of removal, to carry away. Now, we know that he did that with our sins very clearly, and that's preached, and it should be preached, and it ought to be preached the most, I would say, because it's the most important, bearing our sins. Isaiah 53, we talked about this scripture last week when we talked about Christ being our Savior. It says, He shall see, the Father shall see the travail of his son's soul and shall be satisfied. By, my, uh, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Savior for our iniquities. But also, it says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. People say, well, that's just, that's just spiritual. That's just spiritual healing of forgiveness of sins. No, it's not. It is spoken of in the Bible that sicknesses means sicknesses like we think of it. There are things that would be a frailty of mind and spirit and body. Infirmities could include all of that and do include all of that. But sickness, make no mistake, he bore our sicknesses, speaks of physical healing. I'll just read this from Mark. And he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. And have power to heal sicknesses. That's one of the other four times it's used in the Bible. So not only did Jesus heal when he was here. He heals today. And he sent forth his disciples. He ordained them, number one, to preach. Okay. And to have power to heal sicknesses. Physical, bodily sicknesses. And to cast out devils. Okay. To cast out devils. Now I will say this in, in a general sense, in a very general sense, that all sickness is caused by sin. Right? If we really look at the Bible, Adam and Eve were everything was good, behold, it's very good the way God created it, and that included the first man and the first woman, and there was no sickness and death and, and so forth, because there was no sin. So all sickness, physical sicknesses in our bodies and diseases and viruses and everything like that and injuries all of that in in a very broad sense was was brought to us by sin by the curse there's a curse when men sin the day you eat of it you shall surely die well they didn't keel over and die dead adam and eve the day that they sinned in the garden but they set in motion death wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and that uh, so that death was passed upon all men and that all have sinned Okay, sin, death, and that would be everything in between, the diseases and physical ailments and things like this. All, all sickness 
is caused by sin in a general sense, but some don't believe that healing is for our day. They don't believe, again, like the gifts of the Spirit, like the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, prophecy and word of knowledge and things like this, tongues, interpretation of tongues. We believe that that really happened. I'm saying some camps of Christianity, but we don't believe it's for today. And I've looked at the arguments. I'll be honest with you without ridicule. And I've looked at the arguments and I, I don't agree. I, mean, I see it clearly in the Bible that the gifts of the Spirit and one of the gifts of the Spirit that's mentioned in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 is healing, right? Tongues, interpretation of tongues, discerning of spirits, miracles, healings, the gift of faith. These are listed as gifts all by the same Holy Spirit, all for the, uh, God, according to God's will as he sees fit, and all for the glory of God. Not for the glory of the one who has the gift, but for the glory of God. But one of those gifts is healing, okay? When it says in Isaiah 53, a, a messianic scripture, by whose stripes we are healed. And we get to 1 Peter, and it says, You were a sheep going astray, but now have returned to your, uh, the good shepherd and bishop of your souls, by whose stripes you were healed. It's happened. It's taken place. It's, it's past tense now because Jesus came and fulfilled this. And he called his disciples and his followers, not just the 12, okay, not just the 11, if you exclude Judas. He said in, after he died, after he rose again, after he appeared at least three times to his disciples and before he ascended, he said, and these signs shall follow them that believe. And what are these signs? It is not just for the disciples. Any disciple of Christ. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name, by his power, by his authority. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. This is taught in the Bibles. Jesus healed. He still heals today. And he sent his disciples as ministers out to heal now uh, there's physical healing in the atonement it is in the name of Jesus Christ okay it's in his name so much the more went there a fame abroad of him and great multitudes came together to hear to hear hear and to be healed of their infirmities people came to Jesus to be healed now I want to say something here that, and I said it earlier, but I want to reiterate it, that the main purpose of Jesus is coming. We're talking about his ministry, right? We know he's Savior and Lord, Deliverer, Healer, Coming King, Advocate, High Priest. He's all those things. Son of God, Son of Man. He's, he's God in, he was God in the flesh when he came. He's the Eternal Son. He's all those things. But he came to save sinners. He came, he, came, he told Nicodemus, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. He came to be the savior of the world. That doesn't mean that we throw the other things out because they're given to us in the scripture. Physical healing is for us. Is for us. I want to read something from, I mentioned A.B. Simpson. He had a good quote here. And I want to read this. Divine healing is not the most important truth of the gospel. Don't be offended, okay? I believe in healing, okay? We're preaching on it today. It's, he says divine healing is not the most important truth of the gospel. 
But it is a truth that God has shown us. It is most important that it should be ever held as it's in its true place in relation to the other parts of the gospel. It is not the whole gospel, nor perhaps the chief part of it, but it is a part. And in its due relationship to the whole, it will prove to be like the gospel of se- itself, the power of God to everyone who believes. Now, the basis of divine healing, where do we base that on? We base it on the atonement of Christ, by whose stripes we are healed in Isaiah, after he came and died and rose again, bore stripes on his body for the sins of the world, um, tasted death for all men. The Bible says, by whose stripes ye were healed. It is founded not, this is very good. This to me would fit with not just healing, but any, any work of God, all right? Any doctrine of God. So listen to this carefully. We're talking about divine healing. It is founded not on the reason of man, nor or of the testimony of those who have been healed. We don't base the fact that we believe that God is the healer, that Jesus Christ is the healer and there's healing in his name, based on people's testimonies. You'll hear people say, oh, I, I had a near-death experience. I died and I, I saw this and I saw that. And I don't base a doctrine of belief in that based upon what they say. We build a doctrine based upon Scripture and the Word of God. Okay? Always. And here we're talking about healing. Um, Our testimony is not based upon those who have been healed, but on the Word of God alone. All the testimony that could be gathered from the whole universe would not establish the truth of such a doctrine. Speaking about healing. If it is not found in the Scriptures... Now, I totally believe this. I totally believe all the personal testimonies in the world are not going to establish the fact that Jesus is a healer. What is going to establish the fact that Jesus Christ is the healer is the word of God, the Bible. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Okay? Uh, somebody might have a testimony that God healed him. Somebody else has a testimony God didn't heal him. We don't base it on that. We base it on the truth as it is in Christ Jesus, the word of God. All the deductions of the human intellect are worthless if they are not rooted in the word of God. The truth rests on God's eternal word or it is merely human. I agree with that. I agree with that. Okay. And so moving forward, we open with three scriptures right off the bat. We're looking at more scriptures. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in the Bible because I want to look at some practical things about healing, okay? Uh, James chapter 5, turn with me. So at the end of this epistle, James, the the brother of the Lord in an earthly sense, half-brother, Joseph and Mary's son after after Jesus, of course, was born of a virgin. So let's look at James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Is any among you afflicted? Well, afflicted could be tormented by the devil. Afflict could mean a lot of things in mind, sort of like infirmities. Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick? Sick means sick, okay? Sick means physically. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church 
and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, or heal the sick, really, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. So there's a time and a place, I would say. There's a time and a place to confess to other people our sins. I don't think it's every sin we've ever committed. He says, any afflicted, any sick among you go to the elders. And in the process of coming to the elders, there will be mature believers. If you don't have them in your life, then don't do this, okay? Mature believers in your life. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So I want to talk about a few things from this passage. We're a church. We're a church body. We're at church right now. How does the healing, you know, we know these signs shall follow them that believe. That's a promise, I, I believe. It's a promise in conjunction with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But uh, here we see uh, James 5 is any sick. All right. So sick there means weak, feeble. It means a, a physical ailment. ailment. The same word was used of a man named Epaphroditus. Try to say that ten times real quick. Epaphroditus was a servant in the church of Ephesus. I'm mean, sorry, in Philippi, that was sent from the church to minister to Paul's needs in prison when he was in Rome, a Roman prison. And Epaphroditus got deathly ill some, somewhere or another on the journey there and almost died. Okay, so the, the Bible says sick. Paul says, yes, Epaphroditus was sick nigh unto death. I'm only saying that to mention, again, it's physical. This was physical. There are spiritual attacks. There are torments. There might even be a sickness that's caused by, or physical ailment that's caused by the devil. I understand that. I'm simply saying the ailment itself is physical. It's not just a spiritual uh, something going on, okay, a mental thing. There, if any are sick, let them call the elders, okay? Now, James distinguishes between sins and sicknesses. Sins and sicknesses. That's important, too, and I'll tell you why. Again, it's, it's like every, we, we have the Bible, and we have good, solid doctrine straight up and down, rightly divided when we compare Scripture to Scripture, and we build the doctrine, and we're led by the Holy Spirit. And we don't put our personal preferences and stuff like that and just go from the Word of God and the Holy Ghost, and we come out with good, wholesome, sound doctrine, Right? But people can twist things and pervert things, sometimes not even intentionally, the way they were brought up, this or that. And so I've, I've heard where people that would think that every physical ailment is an attack of the devil. I don't believe that. I don't believe that that's taught. I do believe that all sickness, as I said earlier, is a result of sin, the human condition of sin. And there's a curse of sin. Man received a, a judgment or a curse that would come upon him. Adam did, Eve did, in childbearing and so forth. And the ground would be hard to get to labor and, and get fruit from the ground. And Satan re received a pronouncement of judgment upon him that would really be fulfilled when Christ uh, came the first time. But my point is that all sin, all sickness is a result of sin in a general sense, okay? Sin entered the world by one man and death by sin. But every time you sneeze, every time you twist your ankle, every time you stub your toe, 
I used to hate stubbing my toe. Always playing outside, running around with a skateboard, or bad, and I should have had shoes on. I always stubbing my toe. And the end of it's bleeding. You're like, ow, ow, ow. Uh, I still run around the house barefoot and kick a piece of furniture, and my, my wife laughs at me, and people laugh because I'm on the ground grabbing my foot. But every time we get hurt, or every time we have an injury or sickness or a cold, I don't believe it's taught in the Scripture that is a direct result of a satanic attack. It may be, because there are some examples in the Bible where it was Satan. That woman that we opened up with this morning, Luke, she was for 18 years. Her body was bent over, and she couldn't straighten up. And the Lord says, you're loose from that infirmity. And he goes on to say, this woman, Satan, is bound for 18 years. Well, it was manifest in a physical sense. But we don't read that every time he healed somebody, he's also casting out the devil from them. There are times he says he cast out the devils with his word and he healed the sick over here. I don't know that blind Bartimaeus was demon possessed or, or he was blind because a devil put that on. There was a man that was born blind in John chapter 9 who had never seen. Okay. And, and the Lord healed him. And so I just think we need to be careful to make a blanket statement to say every, every time you get a cold... Okay, every time you get a scratchy throat or your allergies act up, which they always act up in South Louisiana, you know, that that is a direct result of Satan. We just need to be careful, is all I'm saying, to not think that that is always the case, because I don't at all believe that it is. But the Lord distinguishes between sins and sickness because they're not the same thing. The Lord is, this is important to know. The Lord is the healer of both. The Lord is the healer of both our sins and our sicknesses. And we know the scripture because I read it last week. I'm going to read it to you again from Luke 5. There was a man that was carried by his four possibly brothers and they cut, lift, broke up the roof and they couldn't get to Jesus because the press was so a crowd of people, right? And, and so they lower him down on ropes on his mat because he was crippled and couldn't walk and lame and Jesus says your sins are forgiven you it's the first thing he said to the man why because that's the most important that's of eternal value that's why he came to seek and save the lost they were coming for him to be healed they came to the right place okay but he said first your sins are forgiven the Pharisees didn't even say it out loud they said it within their hearts who can forgive who's this man think he is he's blaspheming no one can forgive sins but God Jesus says whether it's easier to say thy sins are be forgiven thee or to say rise up and walk but you may know that the son of man hath power on earth to forgive sins he saith unto the sick of the palsy I say unto thee arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house and immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. He glorified God, and they were all amazed, and they all glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we've seen some amazing things today, which they had. Okay, what's the point of that scripture? The point is, all power is given unto him in heaven and earth. The point of it is, whether it's somebody that is sick or bowed over for 18 years because a spirit of infirmity is upon her. Jesus can loose them, the woman from that or a person from that. If it's someone that's, the, like, uh, that's lame because they were born lame, like the man at the temple gate, uh, for 40 years he laid on a pallet out there, God, they can say, rise, take up thy bed and walk. The name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Um, he has the power to do both. 
He has the power to do both, okay? And so here's another uh, important thing I want to mention from this passage in, in James. And if you'll notice in verse 14, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and the elders are going to pray over them, anoint with oil. It's, it might be a, a minor thing, but I think it's worth noting. The person in the body of Christ, the believer, that has a local body, they know who their elders are, and so to speak, or their pastor. They have a relationship. They're in that body. That individual that is physically sick, they have both the privilege and, I would say, responsibility to let the elders know. Some people might sit at home and say, nobody checked on me. And they, well, we didn't know you were sick. We didn't know you were hurt. We didn't know you were sick. And we ought to check on people. Don't get me wrong. We ought to check on people. We don't see them at church for a while or haven't talked to them. But the point in this scripture is when the individual believer that has a local church, they're sick, hurt, injured, got surgery tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., they are to come and let the elders know that. And the elders are to pray for them, anointing them with oil. And it says, and pray this prayer over them that they be healed. And also, and I just think it's interesting how the forgiveness of sins and healing are knitted so closely together in that passage. If they have any, if you have sins, confess, confess them to one another. Um, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment, but the Lord forgives sins and he heals bodies, okay? What's the purpose, y'all? What's the purpose of a physical healing? Isn't it enough? And I would have to say, yes, it is enough, but it, it, wouldn't it be enough if Jesus just eternally saved us and when we died, we'd go to heaven because heaven's eternal and, you know, in the eternity of eternities, we'll be with the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Isn't that enough? Well, we could say it is enough, but the Lord heals. He heals bodies. Why would he do that? I think there's a lot of reasons. I'm going to give the few that I'm thinking of, even from the scriptures. He's compassionate. He loves. He cares. He looked at the people, the multitudes that were coming, and they, they'd been with them all day long, didn't have anything to eat. He had compassion on them that they were hungry. And he said, no, I don't want to send them away hungry because they might pass out heading home because they're so weak. He cared about their physical bodies and that they were weak and needed food. He has compassion on people that are hurting, even if it's temporary. He has compassion. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad when you get sick, you don't just stay sick forever? I mean, we are, it may take a lot longer than we want to be healed a lot of times. But he has compassion. I think it shows the, the love of God. It, and these are in no order. I think it shows his power to heal. To say, woman, you're loose from your infirmity. 18 years she's been bent over like that. 18 years and that gives one word. She stands up straight. Everything's great. Somebody covered in leprosy. I will. You know, he touches and heals them and they're cleansed of the leprosy. It shows his power. Shows his compassion. In his love, it shows a fulfillment, as we talked about at the beginning, of messianic prophecies, because it says, it says he would be our healer. And what we read in Matthew 8 says, that it may be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. 
So it's a fulfillment of, of, of the prophecies. And then lastly, I would say it glorifies God. The man that was healed that we just read about, that they lowered down to, through the roof, he left carrying his bed, all right, because he, he could walk now, and he glorified God, and all the multitudes that saw that take place glorified God. It brings glory to God, not to a person, not to a church, not to an individual, not to the elders of the church. It glorifies God, okay? And so uh, this is why I believe, according to scriptures, that we still see physical healings. Now, forgiveness of sins is far greater. You know that. You would agree with that because it's eternal. Because, and just think about people, Naaman the leper in the, in the Old Testament was healed. The Syrian general. He's healed of leprosy. But at some point, Naaman died. Naaman's not still living on the earth today. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and he was in the grave four days. His body was decaying. You can't think of a, much of a better or greater healing than that. His body was decaying. Jesus speaks to him. He came forth clean and whole and healthy and well, physically well. Some point, though, Lazarus died. In fact, the Jews plotted to try to kill him because it was such a notable miracle after Jesus raised him. But at some point, he died again. What's the point? The point is that God has compassion on us and heals us now, but forgiveness of sins is greater, not just me saying it, because it's eternal. The physical bodies, no matter how many times we're healed or how great a sicknesses we're healed of, uh, that physical body is still going to meet its end at some point. Because God did not intend for these bodies to go on forever. It's not his will. It's not his intent. It's not his purpose. It's not how these bodies were created. Okay? And so, I'll just read this quickly, y'all. I'll read these um, from Philippians chapter 3. Our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. So what's the point of that? The point is, no matter how many times we get sick and healed or injured and healed and injured and healed, get old, break down, finally die, there's an ultimate healing coming. It's an ultimate healing that is coming. No matter if you stay sick, your life is characterized by pain, physical pain and sickness, you're still going to be healed. Every single person in the hospitals walk up and down the halls of the hospital. Everybody that's saved is going to be healed, ultimately healed, okay? This corruptible must put on incorruptible, and so forth. And, and, and uh, then shall be brought to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory, okay? We're going to receive glorified bodies, and I'll just read one more scripture on that. But if the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. Listen to this. This hasn't taken place yet. Shall quicken your mortal bodies. These bodies are going to be quickened. These bodies are going to receive. Uh, it, says, puts, it says he's the first fruits of the resurrection, and we're waiting for the redemption of our body. Paul, as a saved man, writing Romans, says that's something I'm still waiting for. We're waiting for the redemption of of our bodies and that simply means a glorified body like the Lord's at the end of the millennium going into the 
whole eternity of eternities. After that, there's no more changes. You know what I mean? There's the tribulation and there's uh, new heaven, new earth. And, you know, all these things that are, are changing the millennial reign, Satan's bound. All these things at the very, very end, which is not the end for us. It's the beginning. Okay. It says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall, be, shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. We're going to be redeemed completely and healed. When we talk about a healing, we're going to be healed completely. Now, I'm going to close with this thought this morning. Y'all stay with me. Uh, well, I've prayed, somebody might say, and I wasn't healed. You Christians told me that the Lord Jesus is a healer. I prayed. I prayed. My wife died of breast cancer. And I prayed and prayed that she would be healed. And I watched her get sicker and sicker and finally die. I don't believe that God is a healer. I, believe, I don't believe Jesus is a healer. I don't believe that. I, I kind of halfway believed it. Now I know it's not true. What would you say? I'm not asking you to say out loud, but what would you say? Because that happens, right? It does happen. People die every day. Christian people die every day. People that you're praying to be healed for die. What's, how do you re reconcile that with Christ being a healer? I have, from the scriptures, no problem reconciling that. God never intended for us to live forever. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after that, the judgment. Nobody is exempt from that appointment. As we're living in Christ when the rapture takes place. But everybody is going to die. Moses died. David died. Peter died upside down on a cross. Okay? Uh, Paul was beheaded in Rome. Who was healed of many things or some things in his life. And what's the point of that? The point is it's not a cop-out to say, well, you know, it just wasn't God's will. No, it wasn't God's will. It's not his will that these bodies live forever. That's what makes heaven so wonderful. One of the things, this body is not intended to live forever. I'm going to be healed. I read about it in Romans because it says there was a redemption of my body. And it will be like unto his glorious body that he has now. And there shall be no more pain or suffering. Okay? So that is part of our future. So it's not enough to say, well, I prayed for my wife who still died of the cancer. Therefore, God is not a healer. Listen, y'all, and close it. He is the healer, whether you're healed or not. He is the Savior, whether my brother who's lost ever gets saved or not. He's the Savior of the world, and there's not another one. And if my brother's going to be saved, it's going to be by the blood of Jesus, the same that saved me. He's the Savior, even if I prayed 50 years and he's not saved. He's the healer, even if you, some, you pray for someone and they're not healed. God has a will, okay? He has a will. Sometimes I'll say this, just I don't have time to cover a lot that I wanted to do, but sometimes we're praying for healing and God's trying to get our attention. And so now six months has gone by, now five years has gone by, and I still had not been healed, and we start doubting. Maybe God's trying to teach you something. Maybe he's trying to teach you something. 
a lesson, a spiritual lesson, a life lesson that he wants to impart to you. And by the sickness, he's getting your attention to trust him. And if it takes five minutes, so be it. He can heal you in five minutes. If it takes me five years to learn the lesson, then it takes me five years. The point is that there's a reason. Because we have a good God. So we always say, fall back on what you do know. If I'm not sure about the healing and why I'm not healed, fall back on what you do know. I know he's a good God. The Bible says he's good and he does good. So I can rest in that. Amen. I know he's a healer. I know he's the healer. Whether or not I'm healed of a particular thing or not. Believe him for that. My responsibility is to trust him and believe him. He's trying to teach me something. I don't even have time what I wanted to read. We all know about the Apostle Paul. He was used to raise people from the dead. He was used to heal people that were sick. A spe specific uh, infirmity in his flesh came upon him that the Lord allowed from Satan to buffet him. And he asked God, he prayed, Lord, heal me of this. A lot of people think it's blindness, but whatever. Heal me of this. Not healed. Third time, heal me, Lord, please. You're the healer. God said, let me tell you something, Paul. Lest you get lifted up from the abundance of revelation that's been given you, I've sent a messenger of Satan to buffet your flesh to keep you humble. Oh, that's why it is. Thank you, Jesus. I'll glory in this. Uh, you know, I'll, be, I'll rejoice in this infirmity if it keeps me humble before God. So what's the point? The point is, was he not the healer then? Is he no longer the healer because he asked him three times and he wasn't healed? He was every bit as much as healer. He had something greater he wanted to do in the man, and that was in his spiritual man to keep him humble before God. And when Paul got it, and when Paul got it, he says, thank you, Lord. I'll stay in this sickness if that keeps me humble before God. You understand the point? It's the cop out. People say, oh, he didn't heal, so therefore he's not a healer. I've heard of famous people, I don't even have to mention names. One in particular that comes to my mind that as a child, he prayed for his mother to be healed. His mother wasn't healed. And he said, there's no God. I don't believe in God at all. Became a famous, famous atheist. Very powerful. That's a cop-out. That's a cop-out. He's the healer even if I'm not healed. Amen? I'm going to share something just real quickly in closing. We all have a bunch, and so I could go on and on and on. I remember when William, our oldest son, was born in the hospital. We've, I've shared this before, and he had a hole in his heart. The doctor kept him an extra day, said, we can't send him home. we got to check him out. Got a hole in his heart the size of a quarter, and uh, nothing we can do. It may close up, may not close up, but we'll check him again. What was it, six months? Yeah, and so uh, when we bring him home, we called everybody that we knew that was a Christian, and we that's our our son. They said, you know what else they said? He certainly won't grow very big and he certainly won't uh, ever play any sports or do anything like that. Well, we called everybody we knew and we said, would you pray for our son? He's got a hole in his heart. There's nothing the doctors can do. We're believing God to heal. I remember a scripture we claimed from Ephesians. Uh, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Well, we bring him back six months later and he's got the original x-ray and you can see the hole in the heart. This is a, a pediatric cardiologist from Tulane. Made trips up to Baton Rouge once a week or something. Six months old now. They take a new x-ray. They put it by that one. He scratches his head and he looks at the x-ray and he looks at us. I don't know. It's gone. The hole's gone. Well, we know why it's gone. 
He's a healer. He's a healer. William had an eye disease when he was uh, in ele- lower elementary school. He came home and said he saw two, two of some little girl that he was throwing the ball with. See, two of everybody. What's up with this? We brought him to the eye doctor. I don't have to get D to say it. He named the disease. This was also in New Orleans. We brought him, and uh, he's got this eye disease, and there's not, no treatments we can give him for that. We're, we've seen it before, and it's going to progress. Here's what you can expect. And by the time he's in his early 20s, he'll either be blind and you know, probably need a corneal transplant by that time. We'll check him again in, what, was it a year, six months, two weeks, two months. And so we bring him home. Of course, we're praying. We're praying. He's already told us there's no treatment for this. And so um, we bring him back two months later, and the doctor says it's gone. He does not have this condition anymore. I know that you, so that's just a personal, you don't, you don't build your doctrine on personal testimonies. No, we built it on the word of God. But I'm telling you, in proof and evidence of that, that he's a healer. I had cancer. The doctor says it spread. I'm, I'm sure that it spread based on what we've observed, okay? We're sure that it spread. It didn't spread. Got every, every cell was gone from my body. I remember praying for someone in church years ago had an ongoing chronic thing on both their feet. They were very painful. They could hardly walk. They came into the church saying, would you pray for me? And we prayed and anointed with oil, just like we read in James. And by the time they walked out, their feet didn't hurt. They, this was ongoing in their lives. I remember somebody coming to the altar. You would know them if I said their names. It doesn't matter. At a prayer meeting saying, pray for me. My back. I've got you know, work. I work all day. I need my back to be healed. I'm hunched over. Can't move. We anointed with oil. Pray for them. They walked out of there, stand up straight. Call me later. No pain in the back. I remember being in Honduras on a mission trip, preaching in the church, and I, um, just having the altar time and praying over people for all kinds of different things. And this man who was like a superintendent of a school there, he said, my wife's in the hospital sick with such and such. I don't remember what it was. My my older daughter is in a mental, like a psychiatric ward. Both of these at the same time. I want you to pray for them. We just prayed, prayed for them. Lord, heal them. Lord, deliver them. Moved on to the next people. Before the trip was over, I forgot where, but somehow they caught up to us. This man had said, when you pray, my wife was healed and my daughter was set free from that place and out of the institution. This is happening. This is real life stuff. I have a book in my office of Willie Burton, who was a wonderful missionary in Africa, went places nobody had ever been, and it shows a picture of his colon in 1943, and it's all eaten up with cancer and, and blocked. It wasn't functioning. It was eaten up with cancer and constricted off his, his colon. And they show a picture of, of him four years later after he'd been praying. They took another x-ray. The, both the pictures are in the book, by the way. And it shows a perfectly clean, healthy colon and everything working fine. What, so we could go on and on with these things. But the point is, is that he's a healer. I've prayed for things that I still put up with. People have prayed with, for serious things and are not healed. All I know is he's the healer. Either he's trying to teach you something. Uh, maybe there's some sin in our lives we need to repent of, and he wants to get that straight first. I'm saying maybe. Um, 
or maybe it's just not his will and he's going wants you to wants to be glorified through your trusting him in the midst of your healing i don't know but i will say this in closing he's going to let us know that I, he didn't leave the apostle paul hanging wondering if he's going if he's going to heal me or not i firmly believe that if that's the case and he says no i want you to keep this sickness because it's going to bring me more, more glory by the way you walk it out if that's the case i believe i personally believe he will he's our good shepherd He's going to communicate that to us. He's not going to leave us doubting and wondering what in the world all this is about. So we need to get with the Lord. You need to find out. Nobody can tell you that. God's got to tell you that. And you've got to hear from him. Amen? D, you can come. There's the woman, y'all, that we didn't have time to read about with the woman. It's a different one. The issue of blood, 12 years. She said within herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. So the, Jesus said, your faith has made you whole, right? Your faith has made you whole. Unbelief can be a reason maybe for not being healed. But I can tell you that the Lord is willing to heal. He is calling us to come touch him, so to speak. He's not here walking with a garment that we can touch. He is here nonetheless in our presence. And by faith, he wants us to touch him. And pray for healing. Behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will. Be thou clean. Well, God didn't want to heal me or whatever. We ought not believe that. We ought to believe he wants to heal. He wants to heal. He says, I will. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Last scripture I'll read. These altars are open. Y'all come. If you need healing, you want somebody to pray for you. I would love to heal, uh, to anoint with oil, just like the scripture says. Exodus 15, 26, 6, and he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. He wants us to believe him, y'all, for healing. Don't be afraid to trust him to heal. I don't care how many times you pray. And if he hasn't showed you to stop, then keep on and keep on praying by faith, believing. Amen? Pray by faith, believing.